SOS Radio On Demand. It changed my heart. On Demand. It changes your life. Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. There's a difference between speaking your truth and speaking the truth. And we're talking with Dr. Jeff Myers from Summit Ministries today at SOS Radio. How are you, Jeff? Great, Scott. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. So what is the difference between the truth viewpoint and the truth's viewpoint? Well, Scott, I got this new book coming out called Truth Changes Everything. And the book revolves around these two viewpoints, what I call capital T truth, the idea that you seek the truth, and the small t truths idea that you speak your truth. That speak your truth is the way people are talking these days. But they don't realize that by talking that way, they've given up on the only thing that can help us thrive as individuals and and as a society. Well, I think what's interesting about it when we say, oh, you do you, or speak your truth, live your truth, it's almost like you're giving up hope for any meaning in life because nothing's actually anchored to something big and ethereal or eternal. Scott, if there's no truth, capital T, then the conversation we're having right now shouldn't make any sense to either of us, because we're both using words, assuming that we know what each other means. And we think about truth usually in terms of your personal preferences, but that's not what truth is really about. We have scientific truths. If I were to say to you, water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit at sea level, it wouldn't be appropriate for somebody to say, oh, well, you know, keep your opinions to yourself, right? Or if I said Martin Luther King was shot on April 4th, 1968, it wouldn't be appropriate for somebody to say, hey, look, uh, you know, in my culture, it's different because those are scientific and historical facts. But the truth is there are moral facts as well. There is a difference between saying, it's good to care for abandoned puppies, and it's good to torture abandoned puppies. We can't just say, well, words mean whatever we want them to mean or whatever I mean by them because I'm socially constructing my own reality. This is the tipping point. We've passed it, and uh, this is a very serious challenge for our civilization. Yeah, and I think we have to learn to catch ourselves when we want to say, oh, your truth or these truths, and instead say, okay, your emotions— this, or maybe your experience is this, or maybe your understanding is this, but that's different than saying, oh, this is your truth, or this is my truth. That's a great point, Scott. There's a big difference between saying, I'm going to speak my truth, and saying, I'm going to speak the truth using my experiences as illustrations. The first of those says that no truth can actually be known by any of us, So we just, the more articulately we speak, the more power we have, the more we can control others and shame them into silence. So people talk about the cancel culture. They talk about all of the big battles of our day, and they're ultimately their battles over truth. It's not a red state versus blue state or Republican versus Democrat thing. It is actually over whether truth really exists and can be known by us. And I think it's really interesting when you think about your perspective of the soul and what's going on inside your body is who you genuinely are in regard to your nature and God's nature and the spiritual component of what a soul is. We're talking with Dr. Jeff Myers today at SWS Radio, but it's interesting because in our culture, a lot of times we just apply the way that we look at truth or the way that we anchor truth to our experience. And I think for a lot of us, We either take a perspective like, okay, there's a wholeness that God can redeem when I ask Jesus into my life, and then I'm completely brought back to that, 
Or a more modern view seems to be like, I'm not whole, I'm broken, I'm fragmented parts, and when I ask Jesus into my life and into my heart, he kind of puts those pieces back together in a different kind of beautiful mosaic, but it's not really like a wholeness like I craved, like just a total renewal. It's so weird because we don't even understand that we have a different belief in one of those. I guess I'm trying to say like, we don't even understand sometimes when we're talking about truth because we're applying it to how we look at the fractured nature of our soul. Right. Well, we know that we're fractured and we know that we are are broken, but that fractured nature and that brokenness only makes sense if there is such a thing as wholeness. You know, people say there ought to be more justice. Well, that makes no sense unless there is actually a way things ought to be as opposed to the way they ought not to be. And that's true for us individually, but it's true for society as well. I mean, the trends are not moving in the right direction. At Summit Ministries, I work with thousands of young adults every year, and 75% of them say they don't have a sense of purpose that gives them meaning in life. 53% say they regularly struggle with anxiety and depression. Are we making progress by telling people, just do you, live your own truth? Or would it be better to say, you know what, reality is actually real, and if we can discover it, then we're better off. Jesus gives the answer for this. In John 8, 32, he said, if you follow my teachings, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There are a lot of things that we need to be set free from and be set free to, but we got to understand truth first. You know, that Greek word for truth there in that passage is aletheia, which means reality. And Jesus isn't saying, know your truth. He's saying, know the truth. Truth changes everything. And we're talking with Dr. Jeff Myers from Summit Ministries today at SWS Radio. Jeff, when I think about truth, a lot of times my mind goes back to when the Roman governor Pontius Pilate was asking Jesus about truth when he was on trial. And essentially in the Gospel of John, Pilate straight up said, what is truth? (laughs) Yeah, well, Pilate came out of a culture that was very cynical that truth could actually be discovered. You know, the Greek philosopher said, yes, we're on a search. We're going to find truth, goodness, and beauty. And if we can find those three things, we'll be able to unlock the secrets of the universe. But it's like they were peering through a keyhole, just trying to widen the keyhole a little bit, see a little bit more through philosophical speculation. Uh, Jesus came along and said, why are you peering through the keyhole? And he just pushed the door wide open. Pilate never seemed to grasp it, but uh, his family members did, and other people in his entourage did. You know, as Scripture says, to those who did receive him, he gave them the power, the right to be children of God. You know, we hear a lot of different conflicting reports about younger generations being the least religious generation ever, or, you know, understandings of Jesus and truth are all distorted. Even people going to church don't really have a biblical worldview, and you lay it out based on understanding the Trinity. But, you know, if something doesn't change, it seems that in a few decades there could be more non-Christians living in the United States than there actually are Jesus followers. But from your perspective, like, where are you seeing hope in that? Scott, one of the reasons I, I wrote the book Truth Changes Everything is to share the stories of people who were Jesus followers who in the past changed the world in times of crisis that are far worse than anything we faced in the United States. And I showed how that was true in science and in education and in art, justice, politics, all the, even the way we work, the value of our work, all of these areas 
were transformed by Jesus followers. So I think if we begin to realize that our worldview is something that's not just about our own personal well-being or our own personal security of salvation, but in fact, it's about everything else. It's not just a little more Jesus. It's Jesus at the center of everything. That changed the course of history in the past, and basically the whole book is just one story after another. Most of the stories people haven't heard yet of just these amazing Jesus followers who changed everything because they believed that. Jeff, what would you say to Christians who believe that truth just feels lost today? Oh, I think they're on the right track, and there's no question. 58% of people today say that truth is up to the individual. But when somebody says that to you, they just say, you do you, or speak your truth, man, or or whatever, I think we want to ask the question, what do you mean by truth? Is there such a thing as truth? Is there really any reason I should listen to you when you speak your truth? Am I obligated to respond somehow by something that is bigger than the two of us or not? Because that's really a huge question. I guess, you know, in our culture, Scott, we get used to just sort of flippantly saying things. But on this one, we need to recognize that the whole speak your truth mentality comes from a postmodern worldview that is false and ultimately destructive to all of the things we hold dear. So you talk about a postmodern worldview versus a regular modern worldview. Kind of break that down for a minute so we can understand what you mean. Well, a modernist worldview is one that people base on science. They say we can know science. Science gives us ways to reliably observe, measure, and repeat things, and, and life gets better. We can heal diseases and so forth. There is a sense in which that's based on logic. But the postmodern worldview says, oh, no, no, there's no reality out there to discover, or at least anything that we can discover. So when you're using words, you're not referring to anything real. There is no real reality out there. There's just our perceptions of it. So you can't really seek the truth because there's nothing there to seek. All you can do is socially construct your own viewpoint. And then It's bled into the political world as well. Stanley Fish is actually a First Amendment scholar, which is kind of frightening when you hear what he says. He says, you are entitled to your own facts if you can make them stick. In other words, if you can get power over other people and shame them into silence, then you win. You're right. Wow. That's scary. It is scary because the First Amendment is the amendment to the Constitution that guarantees the freedom of press, the freedom of religion, the freedom of speech, the freedom to peaceably assemble, the freedom to petition your government for the redress of grievances. And it's interesting that while 58 percent of people say truth is up to the individual, 58 percent of people in America now say the First Amendment should be rewritten. They don't think there should be such a thing thing as free speech. They think that power should always govern. There's this weird perception that's become a reality for a lot of people's belief that you can do whatever you want to do as long as it doesn't hurt someone else. And it's called the harm principle. And it's totally flawed logic when you think about what absolute truth is. That is correct. Yes. I had a conversation with one of my students this summer and a lot of students want to know these days about sexual ethics. What does the Bible say about sexual ethics? His question was, what is it that should guide sexual ethic? other than just consent? And that's the big question. You know, as long as somebody else agrees to go along with this, is it okay? 
that's a really terrible way to think about anything that is important. You know, I, I've heard people say, well, I'm, I'm in favor of abortion because I believe in a woman's right to choose. Did you know that studies have shown now that up to 75% of women who get an abortion say they did it because they felt pressured to do so by somebody else, a mom or a boyfriend? Well, that's not freedom of choice. So a lot of times when we talk about, oh, just, you know, anybody can do whatever they want as long as they don't hurt someone else, they're actually setting themselves up to hurt other people and not be held accountable for it. You know, when we think about purpose, a lot of times we start asking that question, what is truth? And we're talking with Dr. Jeff Myers today on SWS Radio, and he works with Summit Ministries. But if we're going to break down that whole idea, we say ethereally, like, oh, what is truth? Well, Jeff, how would you define what truth actually is? The definition of truth is what is actually so. So it's really reality. Truth is our way of knowing reality. And we can know that truth exists. Well, for several reasons. First, truth tends to rise. If someone says there's no such thing as truth, well, then they've proclaimed that to be a truth. So their statement is self-refuting. We also know that things and ideas have essences. When we talk about justice, we know there is such a thing as justice that exists independent of us. Whether we're asleep or awake or even deceiving ourselves, Justice is real, and we know when injustice has occurred. Um, the third thing is just that our words are meaningful, the fact that we can even have a conversation. Scott, if you and I were to disagree about something, at least we can agree that the words we are using are meaningful, right? If we don't have that, we don't even have a communication. Plus, we can make rational arguments. Uh, we're obligated to make them. Even Christians are obligated to make rational arguments. If a Christian student on his chemistry test said, well, I don't know what causes combustion, but I guess God does it, you know, he probably wouldn't get a very good grade, and he shouldn't get a very good grade for that. We have to be able to give reasons for the things that we believe. And then we just know that there's a difference between facts and opinion. As somebody says, well, it's my opinion that the continents of the United States and Western Europe touch well, you know what? You still probably should put enough fuel in your airplane for a 3,000-mile journey. Now, you wrote a book called Truth Changes Everything, and you actually talk about 14 different ways you practice speaking up in a way that builds trust. Could you share a couple of those? Yeah, I'd be happy to do it. Well, one thing is just learning to ask good questions. So I teach my students at Summit Ministries and the two-week programs that we have in the summertime. I teach them five conversation-altering words. Tell me more about that. You see, one of the things when people start saying, I'm just going to speak my truth, no such thing as truth really exists, conversation ends. Open-mindedness ends. People become closed-minded. You can't give a viewpoint that's not the politically acceptable one. So it's now up to Christians to reopen the conversation be the open-minded people. It's okay if you disagree with someone to ask them to explain their reasons. What are, how are you thinking about that? How do you define those key terms? How did you arrive at that conclusion? We want to be people who open up the conversation rather than shut it down. That's probably the most important thing. And then you do it in a caring way. You know, you remember that old Albert Moravian study from the 1960s, 55% of our communication is through our posture and facial expressions. 38% of our communication is through our tone of voice, and only 7% of our communication is through our words. 
So we've got to use all of the things we have available to show that we really do care about people and we want to walk alongside of them to find the truth rather than butt heads thinking that one or the other is the truth. We're talking with Dr. Jeff Myers today at SWS Radio, and he leads Summit Ministries. But in the book of Proverbs, it talks about how the tongue has power over life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I mean, like thousands of years after Jesus walked this earth, we, you know, we, we you know, but thousands, you know, thousand years later, Jesus said something similar, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And like a good man brings good things out of the good that's stored up in his heart. An evil man brings things out of the evil that's stored in his heart. For the mouth speaks where the heart's full of. I mean, when you think about how our words are powerful, Jeff, like how do you see how they build up a person, how they tear them down, how we can use those things to breathe more life into our conversations? You know, you're really making a point there that I wish everybody in America could hear, Scott. If you recognize the power of your words, that words can actually create and destroy, then you're asking different questions every day. Instead of just approaching someone and asking, what can I get out of this person? You're asking, what can I give to this person? What can I do to build into them? Rather than just asking, how can I get them to serve me? We're asking questions like, how do I love my neighbor? And this is where Jesus makes the difference. You know, the ancient Greeks and Romans, they did believe in truth. They thought they could find it. But it was never personal. And the news of the gospel is that truth exists, and it's not just a mathematical formula that we use to model the world in which we live. It's not just a set of logical propositions. It's a person. It's Jesus. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way and the truth and the life. Yeah, and no one comes to the Father except through me. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Yeah, people don't want to hear that because they want a different truth for themselves. They want something that's more comfortable than I have to surrender to Jesus in order to find the rationale for how this world was created, where the scientific process starts and ends, what purpose is actually going to be for me and my family and for our situations. There are so many of those kinds of examples. And, and you know, in the book, Truth Changes Everything, I, I have a chapter on science. So people who are interested in the STEM area might find this interesting. But if, I, I point out that of the 52 individuals who were responsible for the development of modern science, only one of them was an atheist. In fact, two thirds of the people who've received the Nobel Prize in, in the science area, according to John Lennox from Oxford University, have listed Christian as their affiliation. This idea that, you know, oh, well, you follow the science, you're going to move away from faith is simply not accurate. It's not accurate historically. It's not accurate in our own time. So it's, I think it's really significant for Christians to say, you know what, Jesus followers really led the way. And that makes me wonder, you know, what kind of world would emerge people who love Jesus with all their heart were just the very best scientists and educators and uh, so forth, citizens that they could be. That's the sort of world that emerged through those Jesus followers. And I, you asked the question earlier about hope. I think that's where our hope is now. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because a lot of times I think we misconstrue as Jesus followers the idea of science. And we look at the scientific method as like testing things and looking at the hypothesis and finding the conclusions. But when we can go through and understand, okay, I'm trying to put God into a scientific process. I'm essentially trying to put God into a box and I realize I'm doing it. It's like I'm playing by rules that are set out 
to exclude God and to prove things through naturalistic means. And I think that's kind of where we've just sort of assumed things in our schooling and that, you know, the world was created by purely natural things on its own with no planning behind it. And so when we take that perspective and look at science that way, of course, we're not ever going to find God in it because he's outside the scope of that. But when we can look at science and nature and the way things grow and move and change and say, hey, there was a creator behind this who thought this up, whether he started it and let it go or he started it up and he gets to intervene at any point in, in history, that changes the way that we have a relationship with science and God. You've nailed it. If you look at what makes science possible, the core assumptions of it, you're assuming that, there, that the world is rationally intelligible. You're assuming that there is order enough in nature that if we do an experiment at time A, an experiment at time B, that we're actually doing the experiment in the same world. All of those core assumptions <laughs> that make science work all start with the reality that Things appear to be designed because there is a designer. Things appear to be law-driven because there is a lawgiver. Now, I know a lot of scientists, that doesn't come up in their everyday research. I understand that. But I just I want everyone to recognize that if we just assume those core things and we don't understand where they come from, that we're missing part of the bigger picture that makes everything we do meaningful. Now, we're talking with Dr. Jeff Myers today at SWS Radio, and he leads Summit Ministries, and it's actually a really cool program. There's actually a really cool program they have in the summer for students, for high school students and college students. Like, when you really want to understand, hey, I'm going into the world, and I want to get some worldview training that's grounded in the Bible and understanding truth, Summit Ministries has some really unique programs, Jeff. Yes, you know, there there aren't too many people right now who have a really solid biblical worldview. In the rising generation, it's about 4%. But we have studied the graduates of Summit Ministries and found that by the time they leave Summit, 85% of them have a biblical worldview. So if you're asking questions, even if you're skeptical, this is the sort of place you want to come for a couple of weeks. Listen to the speakers who are the top thought leaders in everything from philosophy to theology to economics. Ask all of your tough questions and see if there might be something here that can help you live a meaningful life that in turn is a, is a blessing to others. A lot of people fall away from their faith. That doesn't have to happen. That is not inevitable. You can have an unshakable faith. If you want to know more about that or any of the programs that Jeff was talking about, you can go to summit.org. Hey, thank you so much, Jeff. Appreciate your time. Jeff's new book's called Truth Changes Everything, How People of Faith Can Transform the World in Times of Crisis. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate the conversation. Thanks for streaming Scott Harold's podcast from SOS Radio. If, if you're one of our regular listeners, would you consider giving it a five-star rating? It really helps spread the word.